Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I am Ryan Noonan. Joining me as always, fellow 444.com writer, Connor Allen. What's going on, man? How was last week for you? Um, well, it was going really well. And then, um, you know, my biggest play of the week was um, I took the Kendrick Bourne unders. Um, and fun. for uh, 58 and a half minutes, you know, those were cashing. And on the final drive, he caught an 11-yard pass and a 9-yard pass on two of Mullen's four final attempts. So, uh, yeah, that kind of ruined my week. I'm not going to lie. I still ended up positive, but I was pissed. Like, not quite Chargers, you know, not scoring on the final play pissed, but, like, pretty close. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I thought that was pretty sharp, especially with you know, them getting healthy and having, you know, more receiving options. I thought that that was – his number was way too uh, way too inflated. So I thought it was a pretty sharp bet. But uh, variance, right? You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's why unders are the worst sweat in sports, man. Like, oh, God, yeah. It's unbelievably brutal. Yeah. Well, we're excited to unpack this week. Joining us uh, is returning guest, friend of the show, Anthony Amico. What's going on, man? Welcome back. What's up, guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be here. I love talking to you guys. I uh, haven't done a lot of podcasting recently, so it's good to get on the airwaves, too. So happy to be here. Love it. Why don't you tell everyone at the top a little bit about uh, where you're going? You kind of ventured off and started doing uh, a little bit of your own stuff. Yeah, right now I'm just working on a, a Substack. So it's, it's a newsletter you can sign up for. You get it delivered right to your inbox. Uh, you can subscribe for $5 a month if you so choose. Uh, but there is plenty of free content right now. Uh, things probably will kick up a little bit more on the paid side once we get into like draft season and stuff like that. You know, right now I'm just trying to give a lot of people, uh, you know, just a, a taste kind of of what to expect. So if you like me here on the podcast today and you want to kind of check it out, uh, it's on my Twitter feed. And, uh, yeah, love to uh, love to kind of interact. Love it. Anthony is one of the sharpest people I know. Um, he's also going to be very friendly and helpful. So I definitely recommend checking out his stuff. Um, basically, anytime he shows up in the industry doing something, he does it very well, whether it's, um, you know, picks against the spread or rankings or whatever it is. Um, he is very well versed and, uh, and very sharp. So I think you'll enjoy listening to him tonight if you have not heard him before. So um, we also want to let you know before we get into it, we've increased the ways that you can consume Move the Line this year. If you were listening in podcast form, we appreciate it as always. Please rate and review the show. Uh, we're also streaming live as we record this on 444's Periscope. So feel free to jump in the chat uh, and join us if you're listening in podcast next week. Uh, typically, the last few weeks have been doing this up to the Thursday night game. So jump in there, ask some questions. I love interacting with our listeners. The stream is also going to be posted over on 444's YouTube page and Twitch as well. Uh, we also want to tell you about our sponsor, uh, Underdog Fantasy. We all love snake drafts. We all love big prizes, but we don't all love the big entry fees and multi-week contests that come with DFS sites. So Underdog Fantasy released a, an all-new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. In Battle Royale, you draft one-week teams, just like you normally would, but instead of competing against the other people in your specific draft, you're going to compete with teams from other drafts as well. This way, they pool together the prizes so they can offer big tournament-style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format that we all know and love. So head to the App Store, search for Underdog Fantasy. Perfect if you're a basketball fan as well. They've recently launched their NBA Best Ball Contests. I'll just enter 4 for 4 after you make your first deposit. And uh, let them know that you're coming from there too. I know that uh, Amico also is going to be working on some, I believe, underdog best ball content on his site as well, if that's correct. 
Yeah, we're all about the dog, man. I mean, they have, uh, I would say the best interface, the best format, the best service. I mean, they're really active on Twitter. So uh, I'm definitely a huge fan. Yeah, love it. Absolutely great. Cannot wait till, uh, I don't want the football season to end, but I can't wait to start drafting again for uh, for best ball. So absolutely love it. But uh, let's jump into this week's slate. It's going to be interesting. We have no buys. Everyone is back. You know, we had the late season buy last week when we had the Buccaneers and the Panthers off. But uh as of now, we don't have any random Monday night double headers. We don't have any Tuesdays or Wednesdays. So this feels pretty straightforward, but very full. So uh, let's jump into it. All right. First game, Houston on the road against the Bears. Uh, Houston favorite here. One and a half on most books. 45 and a half is the total. Again, uh, when you're listening, even if you're looking live, like you could have options. You could have different books. So definitely get out there and, and shop and look for the best of the number, depending on what you're looking to do here. Um, impressive feat by the Bears last week. They were up by 12, less than three minutes to play, and managed to lose to the Lions. Very similar situation, actually, what happened in week one, how the Bears came back against the Lions. Chicago now losers of six straight, uh, and they are home underdogs to a four and eight Texans team um, who does not have their best receiver. So, kind of indicative of where the Bears are. Um, tough last minute. Mass, last minute win or loss for the Texans last week too with that fumble against the Colts here. Action fairly split here. Uh, slight lean on the Texans both in terms of bet and handle. Uh, Connor, kick us off here. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, so I actually you know have taken some sides here. I like Houston um, here and I also like the over. Um, I think that so if we look at the Texans since firing Bill O'Brien, they're four and four, but that also includes an overtime loss to Tennessee, you know, a loss in the wind game to Cleveland. We talked about this before, you know, they were not set up for success in that game. Um, like that was definitely heavily favoring the Browns in that scenario. And they still came close. Um, they lost the Packers and then they lost the Colts last week. And like you said, you know, it's a terrible snap on the last play. They were on like I think the two yard line and like the center just like botched the snap. Um, Colts recovered game over. Um, but other than that, you know, even though I know that the splits are scary without Will Fuller, but this Chicago defense over the past five weeks defensively ranks 28th overall in, in EPA, 29th against the pass, um, and their pressure rate is just 24th. So Watson should have, you know, some time. He should be able to pick apart this defense here. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm interested in Kiki QT props again. Like everyone was concerned about, like, you know, his usage and how much he would actually play. But it seems like it was pretty much just Bill O'Brien holding him back. Like if he's playing Watson, trust him. And um, you know, you should be fired up in the prop market and, and in fantasy here. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think that this is going to be a back and forth game, but ultimately that Houston is able to win by, you know, a field goal here because I mean, Houston's defense isn't good either. Like Houston's like, uh, and Trubisky plays well against bad defenses, which I know sounds like, you know, obvious, obvious, <laughs> but uh like he does. Like that's the only time that he plays well is against bad defenses. We saw it against Detroit. We've seen in his career. So, yeah, I think those are my biggest plays. I think the Kiki Cutie thing is interesting. Like I, I think I was right last week where I don't think that we necessarily saw a massive increase in snap rate. They did run a lot of two receiver sets that didn't involve him being on the field, but he got there early with a big play and still ended up. You know, he benefited a little bit with the Brandon Cooks. Um, you know, late cushion scare. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's obviously someone that Watson trusts and has a great matchup this week. Uh, you know, the Bears obviously have, have kind of slid. We talked about it early. Like it was, it was very unsustainable. Their secondary was kind of playing out of their behinds relative to the pressure rate that they're getting. They weren't getting any pressure. They still really aren't. 
And now we've seen that kind of dip over the last six weeks. You mentioned 28th in EPA per play defensively, like not good. 29th in, in EPA per drop back. Like they are not who people thought they were early in the season. I know, you know, they were five and one and everyone was joking that they're the worst five and one team, but like everyone was still like, well, the defense is pretty solid, but even then like the defense felt fraudulent. So, uh, you know, to the, the Bill O'Brien thing, like what we've seen from Deshaun lately has been just is nuts. He's been awesome. Uh, so we have to see what another week looks like without Will Fuller. Cause I think that is a, an impactful thing here, but really since week five, since the Bill O'Brien firing, only Mahomes has a higher EPA per drop back than Watson does. So you absolutely love to see it where you have uh, Mahomes and Watson uh, terrorizing the bears here. But uh, Amico, what are your thoughts on this one? No, I'm with you guys. I, I like the Houston side. I mean, Chicago clearly is not a very good football team. Uh, I liked what they did obviously with QT, but also Chad Hansen, former Jets fourth rounder, <laughs> uh, finally like showing up a little bit and it seems like he's doing maybe some of that deeper stuff that Fuller was doing. Obviously not to the same level, but yeah, I mean, Watson's a baller. And I think that, He's one of those. He's one of the few guys where you can lose a DeAndre Hopkins and still be incredibly effective. You can lose a Will Fuller and still be incredibly effective. You know, he's pretty much shown us that. So definitely excited for him. I think on the Chicago side, what I'm looking at the most is uh, those Cole Komet props. Want to see if we get some of those this week? Oh boy! Uh, yep. Since the buy, 78% of snaps, 79% of snaps in Week 12. So he's playing a ton. Uh, top 50 pick, really athletic. You know, cross sport athlete. So. Uh, I'm excited for what Cole Komet can do. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, like, I think he's like 2,900 on DraftKings. So I, I know, like, in DFS, he's probably going to be in play. Yeah. Uh, but if he can get some action in the prop market also, that'd be great. Seven targets last week. Nice. Yep. It's kind of been changing the guard slowly but surely. But, yeah, you love to see the the targets there for sure. Uh, I think Mooney mispracticed today. I don't know what that looks like. But, you know, I think if any other ancillary pieces for Chicago are out – especially considering that we think they'll be at best in a neutral game script, probably at worst, you know, having to play from behind. I think that sets up well here too. Uh, have you guys heard anything about Allen Robinson as far as his knee? I mean, that was strange last week, popped up late. Um, he just didn't do really much after the catch last week. We were bailed out on the oh, uh, Robinson props. He, you know, got there with like, you know, 10 seconds left and, you know, caught a, a garbage out that I way overreacted to if you were just – hanging out with me watching the game while you're so excited that he uh, got a seven yard out but uh yeah i don't know if he's actually really hurt or not but uh that would obviously be a little concerning yeah i don't i don't know i don't really i haven't seen much on him otherwise but yeah, yeah that was this week five catches in the first half one zero in the entire second half until that like last drive and he caught that and at the prop was five and a half i was that was close it was close yeah needed that one so yeah uh, yeah, I mean, Houston, love Houston. Um, we know the Sands syndicate is in on the over here pretty mm-hmm. aggressively. Um, should be a decent decent weather day. It looks like it'd be chilly, but I don't think we're going to have anything in terms of rain or wind or anything that's going to that's gonna make us reluctant to attack this one. So I think it's a pretty, pretty good spot for Houston here. All right, we'll move on. Next game has the Vikings on the road against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, six and a half point favorites here at home. 51 and a half is the total. Um, yeah, Bucks home coming off of a, a rare late season buy and then playing home the next week is, is a pretty nice spot. Uh, Vikings have needed late game heroics two weeks in a row to knock off the Panthers and Jags. So far, Tampa's the lean here in the market. Action on the total, fairly split. Um, we'll need to watch Friday practices here. Looks like Mike Evans 
did not practice on Thursday, dealing a little bit with a hammy, um, which you hate to see on a Thursday, you know, the week after a bye. So I don't know if that's something that's been lingering or they're just resting him or if you know, maybe there was something here that was that was tweaked. But uh, Miko, what are your thoughts on this one? I really like Tampa. I think that this line is kind of shortchanging them as a football team. And they've really exclusively lost to good teams outside of that Chicago loss, which is a disaster. You know, they lost to the Saints twice, the Rams, the Chiefs. Uh, they've played pretty tightly with all those teams. I know that the Chiefs game early got away from them, but they really tightened it up in the second half. Uh, even late in the first half, I thought they were playing a lot better uh, once they kind of figured out that, you know, they needed to put like a, a bracket coverage on uh, Tyree Kill. But I, I don't know, that whatever. Like, I, <laughs> I think that the Bucks are still like a, a very much in play Super Bowl team. Uh, I think that they're still one of the best teams, maybe one of the best six teams in the league. And, you know, the Vikings are, eh, you know, like they're very average. You mentioned, obviously, they're close wins against what I would consider to be mediocre to bad teams. So, you know, I don't really trust Kirk Cousins in a big spot, uh, which I would, I think that this is for them. I mean, they're fighting for their playoff lives. So uh, I, I like Tampa. I like that we're getting it at less than a touchdown. Uh, so I'm, I'm riding on that side. Yeah, I think there's some value in a normal situation, you know, on Minnesota's side, but like, um, you know, off a of bye playing here with kind of the way they've looked a little bit, like it's, it can't back Minnesota here at all. We've really been talking about how fraudulent they've been and really the defense, the secondary has been better of late, but like who they played in those five or six weeks is, is definitely indicative of the turnaround as far as like, you know, EPA or, um, you know, explosive play rate that we've seen of late too. So not anything that I, that I'm buying. Connor, what are your thoughts? Any leans on this one? Yeah, I, I side with Amico here. I like I like the Bucks at anything less than uh, seven. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the schedule, like you mentioned. But if you look at actually like their only wins was against the Bill O'Brien Texans, the Lions, the Bears. And then, I mean, they beat the Panthers and Jags in OT last week. Um, and, and like you said, right, so we, you know, we like to look at rolling EPA trends of like five weeks. I mean, the last five weeks, yeah, sure, they're seventh, but they played against Mike Glennon, Teddy Bridgewater, Dalton, Foles, and Stafford without Galladay. So I don't really think that that means much of anything, to be honest. And then if you look at kind of like how Minnesota is going to want to attack the Bucs, um, even though the Bucs have been a little bit leakier uh, defensively, like they're still sixth in run D EPA, VOA over the course of the, course of the full season. Um, so like I think that they're going to have success, at least, at least somewhat success, stopping Dalvin Cook. And if that puts them into like a, a pass every situation, I'm not so sure that um, Minnesota's gonna be able to get the job done there. And so I, I, I like the Bucks here against you know a Minnesota defense which you know just lost um, you know their only remaining good player. Um, and so I, I, I think that in in this spot here, yeah, I think the Bucks at less than seven is, is a steal. All right, um, I kind of want to stop recording the podcast because I don't want this on air. But uh, I think it I think it might be Ronald Jones week. Oh, oh no! Don't say that to me. <laughs> I mean, I, you're probably right, though. Are you? Are you like? Uh, I'm not high. Drugs over there, or what's up, man? It's a fair question. Um, no, <laughs> I'm not. Um, listen, like I, I don't want to buy. I'm not going to buy into coach speak because this is of all coaches we've we've seen Bruce Arians do this to us for years, right? With like Andre Ellington back in the day, like it's just you know you'll get that like post game presser of. We need to get Andre 20 touches next week, you know? And it's like, <laughs> all right. And then next week he has like five touches. But I don't know how you can watch the game right now 
and this might be more about Leonard Fournette than it is pro Ronald Jones, but like Fournette looks like Dunzo. They're utilizing him as like the passing back and he's like dropping balls, Ronald Jones style. Like Ronald Jones can do that for you. But the, <laughs> the good news though is if like the one out of every three that he catches, he can at least be explosive. He's a, he is a track athlete after all, like he's right. straight line speed. So if he does happen to catch that in the flat, like he can make a play. And there was coach speak post game last, you know, before the bye that they need to get in the ball more. So um, Minnesota's 20th in rushing EPA allowed over the past six weeks. Um, you know, I think that the Buccaneers offensive line has been beat up a little bit over the last couple of months. Ali Marpet, you know, in particular has been, you know, in and out with concussion and I think he's back in full. So I think you kind of get a full, Buccaneers offensive line and a advantageous game script for 18 to 20 carries for, for Rojo. So again, I'm trying to not be, you know, uh, take lock and, uh, you know, build on my Ronald Jones hates, which has been the pillar of the podcast for three years. Yeah. So I think it's a really good spot for him. I'm I'm going to go back and like, you know, there's those tweets that are say like, you know, describe your followers, how you'd explain you need help without like saying it. <laughs> I think you really quoted and said, play Ronald Jones or something like that. That's been like one of your things. For I think I did that once actually to that actual tweet. I think that was my, my use of that tweet. Oh boy. Things oh, have gone boy. sideways. <laughs> I think it's a good spot. I think it's a good spot. I think, um, you know, the Vikings are dealing with some injuries too. I think uh, was Eric Hendricks, their linebacker. I think is is questionable for this one too. So um, yeah, they just don't have a lot of playmakers that scare me. And uh, I think there's value in the number on Tampa on Minnesota side, but I wouldn't back Minnesota here. I um, mean, I think that you know just as a straight outright winner, I think Tampa is the side. So kind of agree with you guys there. And on the other side, like you know a DFS stack, you bring it back with those those Minnesota receivers. The Bucks are 31st in four for four is schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. Like it's a really good spot for, for Thielen and Jefferson and yeah. Um, kind of fits, kind of fits perfectly this week. So um, I'll delete that and uh, we'll move on to the next game, Tennessee at Jacksonville. Uh, we got uh, Jacksonville, uh, Tennessee, actually seven point favorites here on the road. 53 is the total. It's a pretty healthy total. Um, D Hamburg got off to a slow start guys. Um, as noted by a friend of the show in a recent ETR pod, um, Evan Silva, it was 62 degrees in Nashville. So like, I don't know, you know, I don't know how that counts. Unfortunately it's in Florida this week. So like, I don't know if we continue to, to postpone Dehember or not, but uh, <laughs> this was a spot where everyone expected him to crush early in the season in that game at home. And they really stubbed their toe in a bad way. Uh, he was very popular in DFS and I think had one of those, 18 carries for 84 yard games without a score. So uh, left a lot of people with bad taste in their mouth. We talked about it last week. The Jags just hang around. They, even with Glennon, they just kind of, they're around, they're feisty. And uh, yeah, they have been in the mix for the last five weeks. So second meeting, as we mentioned last time they played, uh, this is usually a Thursday night game. I feel like this should be on tonight. We usually get this every year. like just this garbage Thursday night game, but we, uh, we get to skip it this year. Um, public not scared of Tennessee after they got curb stomped by the Browns. Um, 70% of the money here so far backing the Titans, Miko. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, the Titans are really good. But I, the, all the Jags do is cover, man. I mean, it, it, they just, like you said, they hang around. 
they do just enough on offense. They play, eh, they don't really play much defense, but they do just enough on offense. <laughs> um, so, I, but I, I really struggle with these division games to take such big spreads. For me, it's really more of a stay away. I guess if I had to pick it, I, I'd be on Jacksonville. The big thing for me is, is the under in this game. Uh, division unders in December, super, super profitable. Uh, a lot of times these are like second, uh, you know, the second time these teams have played. Uh, division unders in September, 208, 149, and 8 since 2008. So that's pretty good. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily blind bet status, but when the number is this high all the way up uh, in the 50s, I think that gives us a lot of room for error there, and uh, I feel comfortable with the under. Sounds like a Lamarca trend right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, I like man. it. I, I get it for sure. Um, I did jump on Jacksonville's team total earlier in the week um, when it was a little bit under this, I got it uh, at 22 and a half and I took the over, you know, 23, 24 being pretty key numbers in team totals just because this Tennessee defense is, is so terrible. And there's a lot to like on Jacksonville side outside of the quarterback um, the offensive line is getting healthy and playing a little bit better. And uh, yeah, Tennessee cannot stop anyone. So this is definitely one of those spots where, I get why the total is so high, but I mean, we are working against a pretty, pretty sizable trend dating back to, uh, to 2008, like Amico said. So, um, Connor thoughts here. Uh, yeah, I, I like Jacksonville at seven and a half. I know that, uh, it's kind of gross, but I mean, Glennon has been good lost so far by Cleveland, uh, Cleveland to two Minnesota by three. Like they're going to spring an upset here pretty soon. I think both Cleveland and Minnesota were like double digit favorites or at least touchdown favorites. Uh, it's coming. I just don't know. You know, it might be here. I'm not going to say that it is, but I, it could be like this Tennessee defense worse in pressure rate, uh, and, uh, 27th pass DVOA. And Mike Lennon has thrown the ball downfield more than any other quarterback the past two weeks. Um, like, and not to mention like the Tennessee, you know, Dehember did get off to a slow start. Jacksonville Rundy over the past five weeks, ninth and run EPA. Um, yeah. and I know that their secondary is bad, but like, it kind of adds up that, you know, if, if Glennon keeps playing well and um, like the run defense is actually able to do like anything, you know, like they could very well. I mean, even if they lose by seven, like you're, you're covering. So all you really need is Glennon to play. All right. And that's I think you're in a good spot to cover. So yeah, I'm with you. Man, this secondary is so bad for Jacksonville. It's going to be another great spike. Corey Davis is someone that we brought up week after week and just continues to crush. And I like, it's just another spot for him to do well against these Jacksonville's like Luke Barco and these dudes, dudes I've never even heard of that are just getting rolled <laughs> out and playing, you know, 60 snaps a game for Jacksonville all of a sudden. So um, yeah. And Colin Johnson's a dude that just continues to emerge. He's playing more and more every week. Kind of, we're not seeing much Chris Conley, um, you know, Visca Chenault's dealing with a thumb injury too. So like he's a little interesting. I don't know where, if he's an interesting prop guy. I know, uh, you know, Noah, um, Noah Riddell had hit a, a nice little first touchdown score with Colin the other week, um, which is really sharp bet because they love him in the red zone. But like they're using him more now just all over the field. I think he's really starting to emerge. Nice little prospect there. But there's just a lot to like on that team outside of quarterback. So I think they're going to be interesting moving forward. But uh, I think you're right. I mean, last week you talked about like Minnesota. I don't even want him in like a in a tease or anything. And then I'm a donkey and I did. I took. Oh, you did. You sent that to me. Yeah. I took Minnesota minus two and a half. 
and I had to sweat out a garbage, you know, begging for them to, to get the two point conversion to, to get it to overtime. So that way I can, you know, hopefully get a, a made Dan Bailey field goal because he was kicking the ball all over the place. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I felt like such a jackass. Cause I was like, well, I recommend not playing that. And then I took it cause uh, I'm a sucker. So. <laughs> Fortunately, the Jags are like way more covert at tanking than the Jets. They just do it real quietly. Like we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna slip into OT here, we're gonna miss a field goal, and we're just gonna let yeah. you guys get it. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you guys. I think, I think that Jacksonville's probably the right side, especially if you can get a hook still out there anywhere. Uh, I think that probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it looks like it got like it got bet up there. Um, oh, then okay. So like, it looks like there's like plus one fifteen juice on the seven and a half, but. Book has moved it, at least in Illinois, moved it up to seven and a half. So, all right. All right. Next, we have Dallas on the road against the Bengals. Uh, Dallas, Dallas, three and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, 42 and a half is the total here. Red Rifle Revenge Week. Um, can we get excited about this? I, this is a really gross game, guys. Um, we don't need to spend much time on this one. Yeah, I don't have much here. Uh, <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll kick it with Miko. We have back to back road games for the Cowboys. Short week for them as well, obviously, playing uh, a game the other end against Baltimore. Um, so far, the public leaning on taking the points here. Um, what do you got, Amico? I like Dallas. I mean, I, I, think that this is a, I think this is a good opportunity for betters. I mean, it's got spanked on primetime by, uh, by Baltimore. Uh, but Cincinnati really hasn't competed with anybody. They haven't moved the ball well against anybody. Brandon Allen's a total disaster. Yeah. So, like, I know that Dallas defense isn't very good. But, I mean, I don't think that Brandon Allen can do a ton against them. And I think that Dallas can move the ball offensively. Andy Dalton, I mean, even like revenge narrative aside, he's been very effective since he's come back from like the concussion slash COVID situation. And they still have all those really good receivers. This is a good spot for Zeke to get going a little bit. I know they want to pound him as much as possible. I know he popped up on the injury report this week, but it sounds like he's probably going to play. Uh, and honestly, if it's Tony Pollard, it's even better. So, like, <laughs> I, I feel like this Dallas team can move the football. Three and a half is not big. Obviously, you'd love to get it at just a field goal, but uh, I think I'll still lay the three and a half here with Dallas. They did hang, though, a little bit. Like, they looked somewhat respectable early in that game. You know, got away from the first half. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So but then, yeah, that was yeah, not well, good. They, they ended up, like, they ended up getting – like, the second half, I don't even think that they had – like anything going, you know, like they just got, I think Miami was, I thought it was more of a function of Miami playing bad. Um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I think um, in this spot, I think there was something worth noting too. So uh, with Burrow, the Bengals averaged 73 snaps per game the past two weeks, they have 52 and 49 offensive snaps. Um, and yeah, so I, I think AJ green props, you know, he gets zero catches the past two weeks. Um He's dust. He can't separate. And clearly, you know, Brandon Allen likes T Higgins way more. Um, so an under there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Boyd under as well. I mean, I I can't believe I lost that last week on that. Like, you know, the the corner just took a bad angle and it was the only catch. Then he got ejected right after he hit the over, but I'm going to go back to it. I I just don't think like his eight out is so low that like the props going to be like 50, you know, something like that, maybe 45. Um, like, he had three catches for 16 yards two weeks ago. He had one catch for 70 yards, but that's just because they were playing like man. And, you know, the other, the other, the receiver in the other corner, like picked the other corner out of the way. So he just like ran wide open, you know, in the end zone. So I, I'll, I'll bank on that not happening even against a uh, bad Dallas secondary here. So yeah, I don't know. Probably those unders. Other than that, I mean, that's about it. I lean Dallas too. I just don't have a lot of 
conviction in it right now. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's just hard to think of scenarios where even against Dallas's D, which isn't great, but like they've been okay of late. Like they're 18th in EPA um, overall over the last six weeks, 11th in EPA for dropback. It's not bad. I just don't see you know Cincinnati generating a lot of points here. So if you can even get, depending on what this total is, I think a Bengals under. Uh, Bengals team total under could be interesting too. So that definitely makes me lean Dallas aside as well. So I get it. All right. Next we have Arizona on the road against the giants. Uh, this one's got some different numbers out there. One and a half, two and a half, depending on your book. 45 is the total. Um, two clubs moving in opposite directions. Arizona's lost four out of their last five. The only win being that Hale Murray against Buffalo giants are entering play here. Winners are four straight. Um, also looks like Daniel Jones coming back, noted winner. Colt McCoy heads back to the bench. Um, the market is buying the correction here on Arizona's side, though. Nearly two-thirds of the bets and money coming in on the Cardinals on this one. So, um, Amiko, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is almost a spot where I feel like I have to recuse myself because I'm a born-again Giants fan, and uh, they've, they've roped me back in for, like, the you know third season in the last four years, and they keep telling, saying I'm, I'm done with them. But uh, I, I just feel like, you know, the Giants coming off of a, a pretty big upset. Cardinals disappointing, obviously, which you mentioned. I know that Kyler Murray's been banged up, and, and that's probably pe- playing some kind of role. He's also talking a little bit today about how, like, you know, a lot of teams are just giving him give reads on these read option plays. So he's, he's forced to kind of hand the ball off to Kenyon Drake, um, wondering how they're going to adjust off that stuff or if they will adjust at all. I know Cliff is kind of like uh, people think he's fake sharp. I'm not really sure yet. So... <laughs> Uh, we'll see kind of how how that plays out schematically, but you know I think that the spread value here has to be with Arizona. I, I would imagine that they are the better team. You know, if we had just kind of like pulled this throughout the season, Arizona would be would be the favorite, uh, and we're getting them at less than a field goal. Uh, we're getting them in a spot where they desperately need a win. Uh, and I think generally, if you're fading a team, you know, fading what we would consider to be a bad team, the Giants, uh, you know, coming off this big win streak we probably wind up being pretty profitable. The defense has been excellent. Like I can't say a single thing about the defense, but uh, the offense I think is pretty lackluster. And uh, I think you need to score points still to beat Arizona. So I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, the Kyler thing is a big deal. I mean, we need to figure out what's going on there. If you look at some of the the splits rushing wise, I mean, weeks one through eight, Cardinals were second in EPA per rush. Uh, with a 43% success rate last five weeks just 13th and a 40 and a half success rate. So, you know, whether it's the shoulder or whether, like you said, that's, you know, teams are baiting them to, to give it to the less efficient, uh, less, you know, explosive player in Kenyon Drake, that could be a piece of it too. It was just weird last week. Only the Bengals had fewer total yards last week than the Cardinals. So we just haven't seen that upside. We're seeing kind of, we're seeing Hopkins use like the Texans used them last year, like just low a dot stuff, not super aggressive, of all things this year, I mean, Bradbury he has really been one of the premier shutdown, lockdown corners. So, you know, we know Hopkins is obviously kind of a different beast, but if they are able to isolate him at least a little bit, and Kyler's still not extending plays and extending drives with his legs, um, I'm with you. Like, I think there's value on Arizona side. I think it's probably, I think the Giants are probably a square play, but like right now it's just really hard to lay points with Arizona. Um, really an under in any situation, um, especially against a team that's that's playing as well as the Giants right now. But uh, Connor, tell me your thoughts here. 
I don't have too much to add, but um, I think it is no, uh, notable. Giants have held opponents under 25 points in each of their past seven games and 20 or less in seven of 12 games this year. Uh, I mean, obviously they're coming off a you know, great outing against Seattle. So I, I think a lot of it does depend on, on Kyler. I think the issue with that is like, uh, you know, like a lot of the Giants' defensive success is already factored into the team total for Arizona, which is probably going to be around like 24. Um, and so, I mean, I just think that that's about right. Um, so it would be tough for me to consider taking an under there. Um, it would probably have to get a little bit higher um, for me to consider that. Um, and, and either way, I probably would agree that I do think that Arizona is a side just because, um, like, I mean, Daniel Jones is a turnover machine. Like, uh, I know it's maybe less pronounced now, but, you know, for most of yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he's still turning the ball over, like, almost every game. And, you know, like, if you turn the ball over and you, you lose the turnover margin, like, you lose – pretty much 80% of the game, 80% of the time. That's kind of the, the statistics there. So it's you're always climbing, battling uphill with Daniel Jones. So probably lean Arizona, and I would probably consider the under on the game, to be honest. Well, that makes sense. The Wayne Gallman stuff is interesting, too. I think we're seeing a lot of steam in him um, in the markets, whether it's DFS-related or, or props. But like, And he's been awesome, and they've been running the ball really well like they're second in rushing epa over the last six weeks like they are they are getting it done but you're seeing more other guys than i would want to see if i'm backing a, a gallman prop or if i'm using him in fantasy like you're seeing alf morris you're seeing Dion lewis on anything that is a third and long situation so like gallman is efficient he's finding the end zone a lot but like he's not really getting the work that i think that we would want him in so be careful there when those props come out because i think that there's just a little bit more under the under the hood here that makes me want to be cautious on what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, he had like two really big runs last week, right? It was, um, and that like kind of like bolstered his stats. So you look at his final box score and you see a 16 for 135 line. Um, but in reality, like he had, you know, I think, I think he had only had a couple, a handful of yards at half and then, you know, busted off a few long runs, started getting going in the second half. Uh, and that kind of, you know, obviously made his style look really good. So definitely I think that it could be a sharp play to look for the under there uh, this week on that one. And in DFS too, I mean, cocked at the goal line or, you know, things like that make it a little bit tougher for you to, to really reach the ceiling that you're hoping to get from, from that guy at that price. All right, next, Denver on the road against Carolina. Carolina is three-point favorites at home. Uh, 46.5 is the total. This one's going to be really tough to cap here without, you know, a ton of information still. Uh, Panthers home off a bye. Um, COVID stopped by, hung out with them a little bit during the break. Uh, looks like it worked its way into the wide receiver room. DJ Moore will be out for this one. He tested uh, Tough. This would be a nice matchup for him. I think Curtis Samuel, uh, his status is still up in the air, but he was just a close contact. So, like, if he, you know, as we've seen, if he tests you know, negative, he'll be good to go in this one. Um, we also learned that Robbie Anderson does not hang out with either guy very much. So <laughs> I don't know if we want to build that into models but there might not be the cohesion in the wide receiver room that we thought because, you know, Robbie's good to go here. So on uh, the McCaffrey, we were hoping to have back coming off of a shoulder injury. Now sounds like he is going to be taking the week off again, dealing with a thigh injury, just really rough. Just want to get that guy back on the field. So uh, early lean here in the market is the Panthers and the under uh, Connor. What are your thoughts here? 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of disagree. I like the over here a little bit just because I think uh, Denver's offense might actually have a little bit of success against uh, Carolina D, 28th in EPA over the past five weeks, um, rushing EPA. Or uh, actually, sorry, that's against the pass. So I don't know. Maybe Drew Lockett puts something together. I know we've cited plenty of times, though, that the Broncos are actually worse in offensive DVOA in the league um, through the season. Yeah, it's like worse than everyone, which is pathetic. But um, maybe they can get something going in this one. Uh, also on the other side of the ball, uh, Denver, so Denver's third in pressure rate over the past, but over the past five weeks, they are, uh, 13th against the pass and 30th against the run. So it looks like Christian McCaffrey's not going to play. Um, so I mean, may, might be another Mike Davis week. Um, you know, kind of, I think that he, he's an interesting spot here. So, um, probably lean over as it's like dropping. Like you said, the action's coming on there, but again, it, it's, it's tough for me to bet on an offense like Denver that is just so hit or miss and, uh, mostly miss. So. Curtis Samuel, baby, like we're going to have no DJ Moore and no McCaffrey. Like you're going to have, you know, jet sweeps and you're going to have running back carries for Samuel. Like we're not going to get a total yardage prop for him because he's a receiver. But like I'd be interested to see where his numbers posted out. I think he becomes a more prevalent piece of this offense. He kind of has been over the last month or so too, which is encouraging. But, uh, you know, not having to compete with, you know, check downs to, to McCaffrey or anything with with more, I think he becomes pretty prominent. Good spot for Robbie too, um, and then AJ Boye out for Denver as well. I think he was on the Will Fuller cocktail and uh, he found himself <laughs> with a little extended here for for six weeks. But uh, Miko, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a tough game for me. You know, I I think that obviously the COVID stuff for Carolina is tough. We want to see we want to see Curtis Samuel get off the COVID list, obviously. Yeah. Um, and po- by the way, post, start posting some of these like total yards, pro- you know, cowards out there. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> total yards props for CPAT. I want to see him for, for Curtis Samuel, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I ultimately, I, I think if I'm going to take a side here, I'd rather just take the points, you know, when we have like two bad teams like this and it, it's kind of up in the air, what the deal is. I mean, Carolina's run defense still isn't very good. Probably not as bad as it was the first like month of the season, but still not great. Um, Denver definitely wants to run the football. I know we're talking about Drew Locke, but uh, I, I feel like at any point that the game is in neutral game script, like they are going to look to pound Melvin Gordon, you know, give it a little bit to Philip Philip Lindsay. Uh, they don't. They, I think, at this point, I've realized that Drew Locke is maybe not the guy, uh, and at minimum, they want to run the ball at, at volume. So uh, I think that's probably why you're seeing some of that action on the under. Uh, is, is that you know, I think both of these teams probably would be pretty comfortable just like run the ball a little bit and get the heck out of there, especially if some of those receivers are out in Carolina can't really do what they like to do. Yeah. Makes sense. Drop down a little bit too. So I have some interest in the over because I think that they could still be pretty viable. Like they've been decent. I mean, they've actually been pretty efficient offensively. Surprisingly uh, Carolina has been over the last, uh, you know, couple months or so considering all the, uh, you know, the guys that have missed time, especially with McCaffrey, obviously the ceiling of this offense is totally different when he's in the lineup. So, um, I think you have a good premise, though. I mean, when it's up in the air like this and two teams are kind of just trash, go to the spot where you can take the points. And you know, maybe the market is a little undervaluing Denver here, considering that we are coming off a couple of weeks ago seeing you know a practice squad you know receiver taking snaps at cornerback. So maybe some of the overall offensive numbers are uh, are dipped. But really, like pre. Kendall Hinton, they were still yeah. an offensive DVOA. They've been, they've had that title for, 
for a number of weeks here. So even before that, they probably just solidified that they'll have that spot all year with that performance, but uh, they've been just bad. And that's another spot. Like there's some exciting weapons there. Like there's some exciting talent moving forward. Like if they can get a quarterback that can, that can be decent. Like there are some promising things there. You're going to get Sutton back in the off season and, you know, with Judy and Patrick and Hamler, like in Noah Fant, like, there's a lot there to work with. So it could be a, a nice spot for a free agent or someone in the draft. I mean, you just got to ask the question, like which tall white quarterback uh, is going to be next for Denver? It's got to be definitely white, uh, <laughs> probably tall, but it's, it's you know. Um, oh, man. It's yeah. Embarrassing. Also, you know, I, I know Miko brought up the point about us pressuring, you know, the sports books to, um, you know, like post some more props. I, I'm still like picking and choosing my battles. It's been like, you know, spent a lot of emotional energy fighting DraftKings <laughs> over the stupid fucking NBA prop. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm picking and choosing right now. I'm picking and choosing. Well, I will say, you know, points bet does the name a bet thing where you can request a bet and, and hopefully, you know, a lot of times they'll get back to you and say, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to post this. So if we can get the rushing plus receiving props, uh, that way we've got to, we got to pick a number we like, we got to ask for it and we got to see what we got to see what they like. Let's, I love it. Yeah. That's a good call for sure. And just point bets the hell out of it, you know, just, <laughs> and they just you know, hit them. Yeah. Bankrupt them, you know, like just tell them like, you know, bury themselves in their own grave. You know, that's, that's what I'm, I'm here for. <laughs> Card out here shutting down books. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next we have Kansas city on the road against the dolphins, Kansas city, seven point favorites here. 49 and a half is the total. Again, this one's moving a little bit spread wise. So make sure you shop for that number. Dolphins winners, seven of the last eight. Pretty impressive run for this club, considering how god-awful they were last year. Uh, again, definitely an organization to be bullish on for the future, uh, considering they have basically all of Houston's drafts for the next uh, couple of years. They've really just beaten one team, though, with a winning record during that stretch. Um, they clobbered the Rams at home. They did win the next week against Arizona, which, you know, uh, at the time was definitely a big win, considering, you know, we hadn't seen much from, you know, really only to his second start. So got to give them credit there as well. Obviously now a little different piece offering, uh, you know, rolling out the mat to the league's best team here in the Chiefs. They're going to need to find an offensive ceiling here that we just haven't seen thus far. Uh, you know, so far, public very comfortable laying the points, hitting the over in a big way. Um, that Tyreek stuff last last week, guys, it was like very, 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 very expensive. Um, yeah. <laughs> very expensive. Uh, both of those touchdowns not counting. Um, I not only had Tyreek's yardage prop, which he fell 15 yards short of, we, you know, either of those uh, puts that over, but I had a alt totals parlay that just needed that game to get to 41 and it ended 22 to 16. So um, that would have been a very nice cap to a very nice weekend, but uh, yeah, that was a, a very, very tilting moment. But uh, another 10 target game for Tyreek, Kelsey crush. Uh, you just, I know that that's really the strength of this Miami team, but uh, it's really hard to be um, anything but encouraged by everything you see from Pat Mahomes, uh, Tyreek, and Kelsey. What are your thoughts here, Amico? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really into Kelsey. I don't know if it's still up, but you could get him to be the finish the season as the yardage leader at plus 550 today. Matt Friedman tweeted about that, and uh, I'm on that. I mean, I, I think that the target volume for him and uh, the relationship with Mahomes has been really, really good, and. Mahomes supposedly wants him to win Offensive Player of the Year, so I'm thinking that that 
like those kinds of narratives actually do matter to me a little bit, especially when a guy like Mahomes is throwing the ball as often as he is. Uh, and he can pretty much do what he wants. Uh, in terms of the game, though, uh, I'm going to side with where the public money's going, and that's on Kansas City. Uh, Miami, you mentioned it, not as good offensively with Tua uh, averaging 1.95 points per drive in games where he's thrown at least 15 passes, uh, 2.32 points per drive otherwise. So a pretty significant difference. Uh, I'm not really sure that they can find that offensive ceiling, as you mentioned, in this kind of a matchup. Uh, and Kansas City is coming off a game that I think disappointed some people. I mean, they failed to cover a pretty big number against Denver. I think betters usually look to that, and and uh, that helps to kind of adjust the line a little bit in a way that's favorable to bet that team again next, the following week, especially a team as good as Kansas City. I mean, uh, I don't really think that there's a number that they couldn't possibly get to you know, in any matchup because their offense is so good. So uh, I would love to, to wait this out and see if it can get the six and a half. I have a feeling it probably won't. Uh, so I would I would lay the seven. Yeah, I don't think we're going to catch a six and a half. I think if we did, we probably would have had it by now. Uh, but I get it. Like uh, this this offense, it's just hard to bet against the Chiefs right now. And I know that might be a square play, but like it doesn't mean I bet on the Chiefs every time. But like it's just hard to to be on the other side of them. But uh, Connor, what are your thoughts here? Any leans early in the week? Yeah, I like Kansas City uh, at seven. Um, I mean, even consider them at seven and a half. I think Miami's probably a little overrated right now. Um, I There were some times where, you know, like early in that game, like we talked about last week, where I was a little concerned about this Miami defense. You know, like there were – did not live up to their reputation against Brandon Allen. Um, and obviously over, you know, the last five weeks, they're fourth in EPA per dropback, but they played the Jets, Broncos, and Bengals the last three weeks. So, you know, obviously that's going to massively skew their number. Um, and so, and on the season though, they're 10th and passing DVOA. I think that's a little bit more representative. I think they're more in like that, you know, 10 to 12 range rather than like the, you know, top five pass defense. Um, and if you look at the best offenses they've played, who I think are probably most comparable to, you know, the Seahawks, um, or comparable to the chiefs, you know, you're looking at the Bills, Seahawks, Cardinals, um, they allowed, you know, over 30 points in all three, I believe. So, um, I think that this is a spot here where, um, Kansas city, beats them pretty easily is able to have plenty of success on offense and um, can, you know, Tua or maybe even Fitz like catch up. Um, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I don't think Tua's looked particularly good. You know, he started to get a little bit of rhythm in the second half last week, but um, still it just, it doesn't really seem to be clicking for him early on in his career, in my opinion. So um, I think that I'm, I'm probably going to side with Kansas city here at, at a touchdown against a, an overrated Miami team. 39 attempts for Tua last week in a game that they led throughout, which is a little encouraging, at least seeing them, you know, try to be a little bit more of a, you know, pass friendly offense. Um, you know, we need to see that in, in spades here this week, if they're going to have a shot. Miles Gaskin stuff was encouraging, came right off the IR, handled elite workload, 67% of the snaps, 23 touches. I feel like 10 of them were like inside the five. Dude, uh, to no, no. Uh, <laughs> it was painful. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, good to see the usage. I don't know if it's going to be different this week, if they're a little bit more healthy, if they see him eased in. I, I don't expect that he'll have much of a different workload. So I think it's a, a nice spot for him. You know, nice work in the passing game, too, for, for uh, Gaskin, which definitely helps his his yardage props or you know, utilizing him in DFS. So could be a, a good spot to go back to the wall there. All right, next, uh, Colts on the road against the Raiders. We're seeing the Colts three-point favorites here on the road. Still seeing some two-and-a-halves out there earlier in the day, so check your book. 51-and-a-half is the total. 
Raiders tried their hardest to lose three in a row last week, but Greg Williams would have none of it. Um, now they're back at home to face the Colts. Colts are on the road, second week in a row here. Uh, bets are split here, down the middle. Always the case with the Raiders. It's either going to be split or on the Raiders' side because they're such a public team, but we're seeing massive amounts of money on the Colts, close to 90% of the handle so far. So, uh, Migo, we're going to have the Jonathan Taylor carrots dangling in our face again this week. <laughs> we the Colts in snaps and touches last week, and Raiders are terrible, 31st in EPA. Rush allowed over the past six weeks. Thoughts on JT and this game? I mean, I, I want JT to be a thing so bad. Uh, I mean, this is definitely a spot for the Jets ran all over them last week with two guys that a bunch of people listening to this podcast probably never even heard of, uh, Ty Johnson and uh, Josh Adams. So uh, he's going to get going. This is the week. It's just, it, this is like very, very similar to the Rams thing that we were talking about pre show where it's just like, they want to use this committee of backs. I mean, Frank Reich wants to get Naheem Hines involved. You know, that we're going to see some Jordan Wilkins. So, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for Taylor to gain a little momentum and maintain some share of the carries in the backfield, but I'm not really sure. Although it has been positive to see him catching the ball so well. I think that was a huge concern for a lot of people coming out of college. So uh, that part's been good. Uh, I do like Indy here. If you can still get two and a half, I mean, that, big difference in terms of, uh, you know, bets to the money is always a pretty strong indicator to me. I think the Colts are a playoff caliber of football team. The Raiders don't seem ter- terribly interested in the playoffs for whatever reason. I, they just continue to play down to the level of their opponent. Uh, I know that they have a little bit of helter skelter in them. Like they can just show up at any time, but I'm not really sure that this is the spot. I think the Colts are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. The Taylor stuff's tough, man. Like Hines still had the only two, carries inside the 10 last week and you know that's tilting if you're a jt owner you're using him in dfs like um, you would think that taylor projects to be more of the inside the 10 carries guy but like they love going to Hines down there so you know we have to be a little bit uh, worried there and and uh proceed with caution we have his rushing number at 61 and a half i think his prop open last week at 47 and a half i think we see it probably a little bit higher, but uh, you know, probably it's very similar to where his number is going to open up. Um, Connor, what are your thoughts here? I mean, not too much to add. I think, you know, Jonathan Taylor is viable in the prop market, like you noted. Um, I mean, I know he's going to, you know, break my heart again and, you know, like probably get like three carries or some random shit, like, and he'll come out after that, you know, he broke a team rule or something just totally random uh, <laughs> because, you know, the, the Jonathan Taylor saga just seems to never end uh, in terms of him actually getting a full workload. And I'm not even like a massive Jonathan Taylor truther. I just think that like every, when everything seems to be just setting up for him, right, something goes wrong. And then, you know, like it feels like something's going to happen here. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm still on it because, you know, I'm, I'm a sick fish and that's, that's what I do. Um, Waller, I think, you know, like he crushed last week. I think it actually might lead to some like maybe valuable unders. Like I feel like everyone's going to be on the over, but uh, Colts allowed third fewest yards to opposing tight ends, and they've been good at like limiting tight end fantasy points. I know that it is a little bit noisy, but they've been pretty uh, stout all year for the most part. So, um, and you know, after last week, I think that you know the numbers might be a little bit inflated after he just like exploded. So, um, yeah, overall, not too much in the game. Probably lean Indianapolis, but I think both these teams are just really odd um you know i think indy is probably a little bit overrated and the raiders can literally lose to anyone so 
Yeah, they proved that last week. <laughs> they big. Pretty much, yeah. I got the Colts team total at 26 and a half uh, earlier in the week. It's, that number's gone. I feel like it's, you know, 27, 27 and a half everywhere. Just, again, knowing that the Raiders' defense is so bad and working around key numbers, I thought that that was a pretty good value there. Um, what's dead may never die. The T.Y. Hilton saga uh, at Houston, that narrative continued to be a thing. He crushed last week and looked good after really doing nothing for for 12 weeks, uh, 10 targets, 110 receiving yards, which is frustrating. Those should have been Michael Pittman balls, but uh, you know, maybe Pittman flop lag this week. He gets, uh, he gets some good looks against this really porous Raiders secondary. And it looks like maybe the Devonte Booker people are going to get bailed out. We might have Josh Jacobs back this week. I think he got into limited practice on Thursday. Um, don't really have any interest on either of those backs. Don't know where Booker's number would come out, but he could be, if he happens to be set up as the lead back again, if Jacobs is out, Booker unders against this Colts defense with DeForest Buckner back, could be a, a nice opportunity to, to look at too. All right, talk about those Jets here. Jets on the road against Seattle. Seattle, 13 and a half point favorites here at home. 40, 46 and a half is the total. Very, very healthy. Um, yeah, through nine weeks, Seattle's offense ranked third in EPA per play. Just big play after big play, rolling out of bed, scoring 30 points. Uh, over the last four weeks, they are just 20th in EPA per play. Um, and that's behind uh, offensive juggernauts like the Giants, Lions, and Dolphins. So we just not seen whether he's cooking still or not. I don't know. Uh, but uh, smoke alarms going off in the kitchen. Someone needs to go in there and find out what's going on. It is not working. Um, Jets, though, are always the elixir that cures all uh, hopefully that's the case for seattle here really needed seattle minus two and a half last week and they kicked me straight in the balls uh connor what are your thoughts yeah i don't i don't know i think i mean 13 and a half is probably about right um i don't have too much on the side or total there just because i mean seattle's been so just like off the wall i would normally be interested in their team total but they've just like sucked uh and i'm, I'm a little bit nervous um overall though i think carson props could be interested I, I know they talked about a full workload potentially coming for chris carson um and against the jets defense where they should be winning you know i think that those that could be interesting maybe maybe some receiving or combined rushing receiving and then obviously metcalf and locker props are always in play against a, a jets d 29th uh versus uh the past d in uh the whole season so yeah i like the overs there probably probably a lot of overs on the seattle side but um, I, you probably, I'm probably not on the, the minus 13 and a half there. Yeah. I'm with you there. Carson needs to stop trying to catch the ball with his face mask. That <laughs> did not work. Like it was a really bad, you know, pick that was crucial there last week. A ball bounced right off his face, right into a, you know, giants defender kind of tilted the momentum in that one. Uh, Amico, what's popping here for you? I'm looking to see if I can get some combo rush totals, uh, rush attempt totals. I know points bet usually offers those like, you know, total rush attempts uh, for both teams, just because the jets, I feel like in any game script, they want to run the ball. Like they just want the game to end and hopefully lose. So they can move on to next week and, and lose again. Uh, and I think as long as let Russ cook is, uh, I don't know, the aprons hung up or, or what's going on. Like that. I don't think it's happening. Like we've seen the, the coach quotes from Pete Carroll. I think they lived up to it last week. Uh, they, they want to get Carlos Hyde involved when they can. Like, I, I just feel like this is, uh, this is a recipe for a lot of run, a lot of running, uh, probably not as much scoring as we want. And I think that makes it a lot tougher to cover 13 and a half. So the line and the total are a little tough for me. I think I'm going to stick to maybe some of these, uh, you know, more micro things. Yeah. 
I'm with you. 13 and a half with the way Seattle's playing right now. It's just really impossible. It looks like maybe some maybe some of these micro things you're talking about are on the Jets receiver side. Things get a little clearer there. Denzel Mims is going to miss this one dealing with some personal stuff, but you know, narrows that target tree significantly. Yeah. Crowder popped up on the injury report today, too, I think. Whew. Yeah, I mean, I think Perriman's dealing with a shoulder injury the last couple of weeks as well. So Maybe not. Maybe it is a real narrow, and we're back to the Chris Herndon. It's finally here. <laughs> oh my god! If this is the Chris Herndon week, well, I mean, if they're if, if Crowder's hurts and it's just Perriman and uh, we have what Jeff Smiths and uh, they love know, Barrios. I mean, you know. yeah, Barrios again. Like, ugh, yeah, who knows? There's going to be other ways to to go about this. Otherwise, it's kind of a, a stay away as far as you know sides or totals. All right, next we have a. Um, interdivision game here in the NFC with Green Bay traveling to Detroit. Packers seven and a half point favorites on the road. 55 is the total. Uh, Packers offense continues to impress and pile up points. No surprise that this is the highest total on the board, even though this is one of those second meetings in the division. Um, Phillips combined for 63 points back in week two. That was another spot where Detroit was without Kenny Galladay. Um, I'd feel better about total in this one if he was going to be in the lineup here though we have not seen him much at all this and uh, looks like we probably won't get him again this week perhaps deandre swift returns to the lineup but uh you know action in the market pretty split i think you know maybe just some situational betters you know wanting to take seven and a half points at home in the division especially in the second meeting but uh yeah miko what are your thoughts here yeah, I mean, I'm going to continue to impress upon the listeners the value of the unders, especially at 55, uh, you know, mid-50s, wherever you can get it at. Like, uh, I like the unders uh, in these division games. Um, in the prop market, I mean, we're seeing, I think, exactly what Green Bay wants to do, it, it, which they've done for the last five weeks and really over the course of the season. I mean, they're 10th in EPA uh, against passing, uh, 26th against the run. Like, they, they want you to – they want to force you to run the football. Uh, I don't know if if Adrian Peterson and company can do that again. We'll see what, what the deals with Swift, like you said. Uh, but I think that if I'm looking to go somewhere in the prop market, it, it's probably going to be maybe with some Aaron Jones rushing. Uh, obviously, had a long touchdown run last week, so maybe we don't get as much value on that as we would like. But Detroit has been miserable uh, on the ground. Uh, 31st? Or, no. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that. I mean, it, it's terrible. Their defense has been has been abysmal. So I, I think that they continue to give up big plays on the ground. Uh, Aaron Jones is one of the best backs in football. We'll see if they pay him. I don't know, but uh, that's kind of where I'm leading. I don't really care where the Devontae Adams props come out at. Like they cannot be high enough. I, they just can't. Like he is just fed. He's force fed. Like he's the only guy that like I don't. I don't think I've touted a touchdown prop on the show all year. They're just not for me. You know, they're very popular. Um, like, they're, like Devontae Adams' multiple touchdown props are, like, very viable every week. <laughs> like, the goal line back. Like, yeah. he's force-feeding him inside the five over and over again. Like, he's trying to just compile 50 touchdowns here. And he's just feeding, you know, Adams over and over again. So, 
that one drive was awesome where like the, you know, they were on the two yard line and they threw like a, a slant. It was incomplete, you know, and then they threw like another slant. He pulled out of the run and like threw another slant. And then it was like fourth down. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to throw a fade to him again. Like instead of they're on like the two yard line, you know what I mean? Like they could have easily ran at least one time. And he, he like pretty much checked out of it every single time and threw it to Devontae Adams. Yeah. He, he just he cannot set the numbers too high. What do we have him at? Uh, we have him at 102 yards. Um, about eight balls. I mean, this uh, Detroit secondary, true fonts on the IR, uh, you know, Jeffrey Kuda is not, not there yet. Uh, there's just really no way that they slow down green Bay here. So like this, this uh, total is, is really high. I, I get Amico's spot there. Like I don't love the over, but like even green Bay's numbers a little too high, but I just, I don't envision many stops. Um, they don't get pressure. Green Bay doesn't allow much pressure. Um, I just think that they kind of cruise here, especially as it looks like without Galladay. Just we've had many weeks to beat the drum because he hasn't played very often. They're just very different when he's not on the lineup, um, and when they can basically only have one or two guys. Someone like you know Marv Jones gets neutralized by Jair Alexander when you don't have to worry about anyone else on the other side. So, um, Connor, what are your thoughts here? I mean, not not too much uh, based on what you guys said, but probably lean Green Bay if you can get a seven uh, at seven and a half. I'm a little less interested, but yeah, I don't know. I think Amigo's point, and like kind of we've we've talked about it. Like second divisional matchups are tough to bet overs on. You should probably lean towards the under, but like you said, I mean, the matchup on both sides is uh, pretty nice. So I'm probably just gonna stay away from the total, and then uh, if there's a seven for Green Bay that ever comes out, I'll hit that. Yeah, good call. I haven't taken anything, so I might see if. We're seeing any juice or traction that looks like a seven because yeah, that'd be definitely nice, definitely a good teaser leg if uh, if that's your thing. All right, next we have the Falcons on the road in LA against the Chargers. Falcons, two and a half point favorites here. Uh, 49 and a half is the total. The Falcons fired Dan Quinn after starting 0 5. At the time, they ranked 30th defensively in EPA per play allowed. Since the coaching change, though, they are sixth in defensive EPA per play allowed. Pretty notable shift. Under Raheem Morris, it's resulted in a four and three record. Um, really been, you know, solid against both the run and the pass. Um, you know, perhaps a moment of self-reflection here for the Chargers where they like, hey, maybe a coaching change needs to be made. Uh, maybe that would be beneficial to our team. Uh, yeah, right. You're giving them way too much credit. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm in a wins pool and I have the Chargers, and I was like, I'm. T- I think I'm like one win out of the lead, and I'm like. <laughs> The Chargers have like between the Chargers and the Ravens, who just can't be. You know, I wanted Super Bowl Ravens, and I'm getting uh, six and five Ravens in, in this yeah. team that finds new ways to lose every week. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no one wants to hear about my wins pool. Um, <laughs> market pretty split here, which makes sense. I, I liked it. I thought it was great. Talking <laughs> <laughs> offline about it. Uh, <laughs> it's a good time. Uh, def- definitely recommend it um, with you next year. Um, Hard to really draw any actionable conclusions on the Chargers side here. Obviously, forty-five zip last week, but uh, yeah, what are your thoughts, Miko? I like I like betting on teams that have just gotten blown out. I mean, I, I think the Chargers obviously fit that bill in this scenario, and they're getting points. So uh, against a bad Atlanta team, even though they've been better, uh, I like getting the points there with the Chargers. And uh, I think we got to just keep going back to Austin Eckler in the prop market, right? I mean, how high could reasonably set the the receptions props at this point where, where we wouldn't take them. I mean, 16 targets, his first game back nine targets last week. And what was basically like a dead game 
So uh, I feel like, you know, this environment will obviously be a little more uh, favorable to more plays. They have been feeding Eckler. I think that that's going to continue. I mean, he'll give up some stuff on the ground, I would imagine, to Kalen Balaj, but the passing stuff is all his. So uh, feeling good about Eckler props this week. Uh, what do you like here, Connor? Anything jump out of you? Um, no, I, I do need to give, you know, you a quick shout out because you were very right about New England last week. I know you were, uh, you know, tooting their horn and I know you don't like to bet on them, but you were right that, um, you know, they completely just annihilated Herbert. Um, I, I just think it's crazy how like after, you know, with Herbert, they're averaging 27 points in his first nine starts. And then the last two weeks, they've scored 17 and zero points uh, against the Bills and Patriots. Um, and I mean, obviously, you know, that they should have scored against uh, the Bills again, you know, at the end of the game. And I'm not, never going to let that go. But um, I think that I think this is a decent bounce back spot. I know, like you said, that uh, they've been playing better lately. Uh, but I do I do think that this is a decent bounce back spot for Herbert. And also, like Julio Ridley have great matchups against the Chargers, you know, weak, weak secondary there. Um, so I think it could be a little bit back and forth as long as we see a Chargers offense that's you know, competent. It's just been really weird how they were so good and, and Herbert was so good for a while. And then all of a sudden it just looks like they like hit a wall. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe they, they do need, do need to switch up coaches, but do they, does that actually happen? I say no way. So yeah. we'll see. I'm with you on the uh, Falcons passing game here. I think it's, there, there's nothing going on well with the running game. And, you know, if we're going to have healthy Julio, healthy Ridley, you're seeing a pretty solid drop week over week in the pressure rate that the Chargers are getting. And if you're going to have a clean pocket for for Matt Ryan, knowing that they really aren't going to be able to move the ball on the ground, I think it sets up nicely for for those guys. So pretty much my interest in this game would be probably there in the props. It's kind of hard to – I don't know that I love Atlanta here. I kind of do believe in some of these you know trends here defensively that they've made since the change um, that I made at the top here. But um, hard to have any confidence in this one. Um, I did get on the Chargers, I'm sorry, on the Falcons team total as well. I took that early in the week. Um, again, just I like this spot offensively. I think that both teams are going to maybe struggle to slow the other one down and and working on the right side of the key numbers is interesting to me. So taking Atlanta, I think I got it at 25 and a half. I still have some interest at 26, 26 and a half too. All right, next, Washington on the road against the 49ers, uh, San Francisco. Three and a half point favorites at home ish. Uh, they're back in Arizona again. 43 and a half is the total. Um, obviously, a big road win for the Washington football team against the Steelers. While well, the 49ers disappointed in their first Arizona home game uh, that we saw there on, uh, on Monday night. Um, you know, hosting Washington here again back in the desert. This is the third straight road game for Washington. It's a massive red flag. Just we don't see this very often. We do have. Um, a second instance of this, I think, still to come. But, um, yeah, we saw the only other time we saw this was when Pittsburgh went to Dallas and it took them really three quarters to get themselves up and running. I know Washington, again, like they had, you know, the first of these three games was on Thanksgiving. So it's not like they didn't have a long break there. But, again, just on the road three times is is not great. Um, so far, public leaning on Washington in terms of total bets but we're seeing 70% of the handle backing San Francisco here. Uh, revenge on both sides, Alex Smith and Jordan Reed, both facing their former clubs. If that's your uh, narrative street of the day here, Amika, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, Jordan Reed probably doesn't even remember playing for Washington football team at this point. <laughs> so I, I don't know if the revenge narrative is going to matter. 
Um, <laughs> I, I like the Niners, uh, I think, for all the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, you're getting Washington football team, third straight road game. They have – they're coming off of a huge upset, which always, I feel like, affects the spread the next week. Uh, Niners coming off a big loss, so we're kind of getting – a double bump there. And you mentioned the money. I mean, I think that there's a reason that, that that's happening. Uh, I like betting on those teams where you have that, that big plus differential uh, on percent of money versus percent of bets. Uh, 49ers still very much in it. I mean, they can certainly, uh, you know, win out and, and, and be in position to make the playoffs. I think that Washington football team has played a lot better. Their defense has been exceptional. Chase Young has been the real deal. But at the end of the day, I think that the, the Niners are still the better team. And I think we're getting a decent amount of spread of value here. I think before that Pittsburgh game, we might be getting this closer to, you know, six. Uh, now we're getting it all the way, you know, three and a half, four in that range. Yeah, we were, we were looking at that, uh, you know, in the look ahead market too. So I think you're right. We're definitely, things are working with, uh, with recency bias in a big way. Connor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, not, not too much to add there. I would say potentially like, the loss of Antonio Gibson is kind of a little a little bit big for this Washington team who I think, you know, found some rhythm with actually like playing good defense and running the ball well. Uh, I don't think that that's going to happen as much with Peyton Barber. Um, you know, potentially uh, J.D. McKissick props are in play again. We were on that last week. You know, it's pretty much any time that if, in, if Washington's a negative game script, like he's going to crush. Like his props last week were like three and a half. I think he wound up with like 10 catches for 70 yards. Um, and it's, I think that that's a pretty actionable trend that if you can predict what game script they're going to be in, you know, you can probably take advantage of that. Um, and even then, like, even without, you know, negative game script, he still had like two and three catches the other two weeks, uh, where they were like just absolutely dominating. So, um, that's interesting. Also, San Francisco split between Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, um, was odd. Uh, they love Jeff Wilson. Uh, and he looked good. Don't get me wrong. I just thought that they liked Raheem Mostert a little, Mostert a little bit more. Um, I mean, both players played well. I, I'd probably envision, you know, a Shanahan split going forward, where they're just going to ride the hot hand, and if, if a guy's playing well, they're going to they're going to ride him. I, I'm sure that we'll see like a random Tevin Coleman or Jarek McKinnon ten carry game in the next you know few weeks. Uh, so, yeah. Otherwise, I'd I'd probably lean San Francisco, like you said, even though uh, the matchup is good, tough, and that Washington defense has played well. So, yeah, a little flop lag on Terry McLaurin as well, but I feel like I probably take that to DFS more so than, than props. I think his meaning and projection in the prop market will probably be still pretty solid, but I feel like he won't have any ownership in DFS. So probably the best way to attack that one. Uh, this is the next spot that has uh, three road games in a row. Saints on the road against the Eagles. Um, Saints are six and a half point favorites here. 44 is the total. Um, you have Saints have won nine straight and, um, you know, pretty different vibe than what's going on in Philly who, making a coaching change, or I'm sorry, maybe need to make a coaching change, making a quarterback change because um, they're fake sharp, you know, coach <laughs> side of the, they needed to announce this uh, decision as early as possible to give their opponent as much time to prepare. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't understand the rush for that, but uh, yeah, uh, public here on the saints, big, big way, 85% of the money here on new Orleans amigo. What are your thoughts? I mean, I have the big eye emojis going right now for Jalen hurts. Uh, <laughs> Really excited to see this. I think he's going to make a huge impact on their offense. Uh, just being able to be multiple with your quarterback, especially when your offensive line is not very good, uh, going to make a huge, huge impact. They still have talent at receiver, obviously, Jane Rager, you know, Dallas Goddard. These guys are good. Uh, they see someone can get them the football. So uh, especially with the three road games for New Orleans, I like Philly to compete here. I'm not really sure I like them enough to 
you know, risk my hard-earned American dollars on them. <laughs> but uh, I'm definitely going to be looking into Hertz in the prop market, uh, obviously with the Russian props. Uh, but, you know, really anything, I'm just kind of curious where his numbers are set because uh, typically these rookie quarterbacks, like they don't come in and, and light it on fire throwing the ball, but he is kind of set up in a good spot here. So I, I'd just like to see what those numbers are set at. Yeah, I want to back New Orleans here, but it feels uh, just a little dicey. Again, the, the road thing definitely makes me a little nervous. Though, again, I think maybe it offsets with, you know, a, a rookie quarterback here. I mean, the Saints defense has been so good. Wow. Connor, I know we were on the Kamara under receptions last week. And, uh, yeah, again, another two catches, on three targets for Kamara. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, my I'm not sure if you'd hear. My dog is agreeing with you. Um, so yeah, it's um, yeah, I like the the Kamara unders and the receptions again. You know, potentially at like two and a half, three. You know, if, if that's what we're seeing, uh, just because like uh, he doesn't catch the ball with Taysom Hill, and so unless the you know they really put in like a bunch of plays to get him the ball in space and like in the pass catching game, I just don't really see it happening. It's not going to happen by you know Taysom's own decision making. They threw last week. Hill dropped back 43 times, so. Mm-hmm. It like a yeah a heavy approach like they just it, i don't know why it doesn't make any sense but yeah just it didn't yeah happen. yeah and i i actually like what you know miko said there i'm like i think hurts rushing props are gonna be interesting but i i'm kind of on the under for his passing props and not that i've you know historically kind of been like a hurts like hater i don't know i think that we saw like some obviously some good stuff from him at uh, oklahoma but like i just have it is stuck in my mind watching him throw the ball into the dirt uh, in Alabama, you know, too many times. And uh, it was, it is a little bit concerning, I think, you know, against a Saints defense, like you said, that's been so good. Uh, number two in pass D, number one in run D. Uh, like it's, I just don't, it is not the easiest game for Jalen Hurts to come in and start his first game against. Um, and so I don't know. I think that this year probably I'd like lean towards the under in general. Cause I think it's going to be like a run heavier game uh, between, you know, Taysom and, uh, Taysom and Jalen Hurts. So I, that's probably my lean would be under. I want to take New Orleans at six and a half, but, you know, the steam moving towards Philly is a little bit concerning. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really like that at all. Um, and I don't want to completely fade Hurts because there's definitely a chance that he's good. I just – I think some passing yards under might be in play here where, like, he just runs the ball a ton. So that's probably my leans on this one. The Miles Sanders usage is a egregious fireable offense. 56 percent snaps last week like what are we doing like why are we force feeding boston scott and you know jordan howard snaps it just uh, it doesn't make any sense so he seems to be all excited to run you know some option stuff and some you know rpo type stuff this week we'll see maybe he'll be watching it on the sideline like we're watching it at home while they do it in, uh, you know, Jordan Howard's belly. Who knows? It's just kind of close. All right, two more primetime games. We'll get on the way. You can watch some of this Thursday night football. This is a good one. Pittsburgh on the road against Buffalo. Buffalo, uh, two and a half here. This is, uh, you know, there's some twos out there too. This is some pretty major movements. Again, recency bias working in a big way here. Um, I had penciled this in as maybe the spot for Pittsburgh to end their undefeated season, but uh, Washington got a jump start on that last week. This was, Pittsburgh minus two and a half in the look aheads. So basically moved five points through the zero the other way. Um, Connor, what are your thoughts here? Connor, sir. Sorry, it just froze. Um, yeah. Um, so for Pittsburgh Buffaloes, and uh, I'm looking at 
uh, probably the Steelers' money line here. Um, I think that I know that the Bills are a good team, and I know that the Steelers are probably overrated, but I think this is going to be a good test for Josh Allen. I mean, Pittsburgh, you know, number one DVOA, points per drive, yards per drive, and number one pressure rate. Um, so I don't know. I think this is going to be a tough, tough test for him without um, – Without John Brown here, I know that he looked good last week um, and was able to to play well without John Brown. I still think that though this is just like you know this is another step up here. So uh, I think it is also worth noting. So the Bills have played against two teams that are top ten in pressure rate um, against the Patriots, who are number two, and then the Chiefs, who are number seven. In those games, you know Josh Allen threw for 154 passing yards against the Patriots, 122 passing yards against the Chiefs. Um, so I think that that combined with you know some John Brown. Uh, John Brown missing, I think, is definitely an interesting spot for Josh Allen unders here on, on the passing yardage and potentially uh, Pittsburgh winning outright. Miko, what are your thoughts here, bud? This is my favorite spot of the week. I love Pittsburgh. Uh, you mentioned the lines moved a ton here. Huge overreaction, in my opinion, to what we saw on Monday night. Uh, teams with a winning percentage of 75% or more in December are 39-19-1 and one against the spread coming off a loss. Uh, that's a really, really good percentage. Uh, you know, hard to find something that's in like the 68% range or whatever that is off the top of my head. So uh, really like the Steelers. I mean, I don't think that they're as good as the Chiefs. You know, I think that they were, I mean, a fraudulent undefeated team is probably the wrong expression, but they weren't quite that good. But I still think that they are a class above Buffalo, especially with everything that they can do defensively. So uh, I like the Steelers a good bit here. I know you guys are really into the the team total, so Buffalo under team totals, I think, is also nice. Yeah, I like this Pittsburgh side too, uh, especially like you said, the overreaction of the market getting the points is nice. Taking the money line straight up uh, to get some plus money on it, I think is a is a really good play too. I think you see maybe a little bit of buyback on this as we get closer to kickoff. You maybe gets down to you know one one and a half, which again, you know, if you're interested, just to act early. You know, pretty negligible movement at that point when you're you know, under the, under the three. So um, it'd be to see if Pittsburgh can run the ball. They've really been struggling at 28th in rushing EPA offensively over the last six weeks. Looks like James Conner will be back. You know, Buffalo has been a little bit better defensively against the run of late, but you've been able to move the ball on them pretty consistently this year on the ground. It's not something that the Steelers have done much at all. It's been a lot of short, quick passes. Uh, they should have some success with that as well, but I'd like to see them be able to at least, uh, establish it a little bit to be able to, uh, you know, keep the ball a little bit longer here and, and keep Josh Allen off the field. And I'm with you, Connor. I think the John Brown stuff is a bigger deal than maybe what we saw last week. So I think mean, that maybe plays out in a bigger way this week. All right, Monday night, Baltimore on the road against the Browns. Uh, Baltimore one and a half point favorites here at home. 46, 46 and a half is the total. This is a rematch of Week One. Um, the Ravens basically seemed unstoppable, and they really were in that one. They dominated uh, 38 to six. Um, Cowboys definitely helped maybe get the Ravens back on track last week. Uh, this is a different setup, though. Major playoff implications here in the division, uh, in the AFC here. Early bets split down the middle, but uh, Ravens seeing slight uh, lean in handle here. Amico, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I like Baltimore. Uh, uh... It goes against some of the stuff that I like to do because I don't like to take the teams coming off the blowout wins, but I think the Ravens at their best are still one of the five best teams in the AFC. You know, I'm not really sure that I buy Cleveland. I mean, they've, they've been very fortunate to beat up on some poor teams. I know they played great last week, which I love to see. I mean, I'm a huge Baker fan. I, I want the team to be good. Uh, I'm just not sure that they are exactly what their record says that they are. So, uh, you know, we're still getting an under a field goal here for Baltimore. 
think if it got to three, I'd probably stay away, but uh, I'm willing to live at two and a half. Yeah, I like Baltimore here too. Uh, I'm interested in the the over two. I think there could be some some points here. Connor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, like I mean, like you guys, I'm interested in the better team. Um, and so I, I think here it is worth noting too, like they destroyed Cleveland uh, last time around. Um, and interestingly enough, like Lamar actually did a decent amount of damage through the air. Uh, Baltimore should have Mark Andrews back, which is good. Um, and like Baltimore's, um, how good they've been playing defensively, I think matches up with what Cleveland likes to do. Baltimore fourth and run DDVOA. So the thing, as long as they're healthy up front, uh, I mean, they should be able to slow down the Browns running game, which should, you know, like force Baker to pass a little bit more. I'm just not sure. I'm not really sold even after last week's performance, uh, season high 334 week. Uh, so I'm not really sold that they, uh, are really a good passing team. I think it's more of a function of the opponent that they're playing and, uh, Baker having a good day just because we haven't really haven't really seen it from him otherwise, to be honest, against any like notable, even decent competition defensively. So, yeah, I like uh, I like Baltimore here. Also, uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins is obviously seeing like a lot more work and he looks great. I think he looks awesome. So, yeah, I think he is really good. Jarvis Landry is going to be on my card probably again this week. I think his reception prop last week was probably maybe one of the easier plays on the board. I mean, we discussed it last week on the show being interested on the over at five and a half, but for some reason it opened at four and a half at plus one Oh eight, um, which is just wild. And you know, the juice was gone pretty quickly, but you know, the number held at four and a half. And I think he had that with like 13 minutes left in the second quarter. And, you know, obviously not the matchup that it was last week. He's just, he's just so much more involved with Odell out 30, basically, you know, 35% target share with Odell out of the lineup. So, I think the Ravens are the right side here. Again, not only, you know, getting healthy in some other ways, but too, you know, Brandon Williams up front, Calais Campbell, like they came back, but I think getting them again another week under their belts, you know, feeling a little bit uh, healthier. I think that that's a big, um, you know, big thing for that defense against the Cleveland team that's going to want to run the ball down their throat. So I think having those guys back um, and leaning on the better team, which I do think is Baltimore. So I think there's a little bit of an overreaction here. So I'm with you guys. What do you guys, what do you think about like the Odell stuff? I know it's not necessarily pre- relevant to, to the show, but like where like the numbers with Baker are better when Odell's out. Like I'm, I'm struggling to wrap my head around that. What do you guys think of that? So I think, I think it's kind of noisy. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I mean, okay. So there's just like think about it in a vacuum. Like you're telling me that you think that's basically what they're saying is that you think that Richard Higgins is a better player than Odell Beckham. And uh, I mean, I just can't buy that. Like, that's just like, you know, Rashard Higgins is a good player. Don't get me wrong. Maybe he meshes better with Baker Mayfield. Maybe, you know, the timing on the routes is better. I can buy into that. But no, like he's not a better player than Odo Beckham. And that's, I can't, like, that's that's kind of where I lose it. Yeah. You were on uh, Higgins last week too, Connor, right? Like, I think. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. That was a good call. Yeah, no, I think that's probably small sample theater a little bit. I'll be interested to see what happens with him moving forward. It's, it's uh you know, you're the Jets' blood running, or the Gi- the Giants' blood's running strong there. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I just want, I just want, you know, I want my man to be happy. You know, <laughs> well, he keeps meeting the right girl that's into the right stuff. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're all gonna find our special one, you know. So. Oh man, <laughs> hey. uh, their own stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that wraps us up for this one. Um, 
Amigo, tell everyone again where they can find you and uh, and all your stuff, buddy. Yeah, check out. Uh, you can just follow me on Twitter at Amixta. I have all my links to my Substack and everything there. Uh, all kinds of content, you know, betting, fantasy, uh, different sports, just life content. So, uh, really having a good time writing a lot of this stuff, and hopefully, you guys check it out. Yeah, I'll have his Twitter handle for you guys in the show notes. You can find all that stuff over there as well. So, um, enjoy this one. So for Amigo and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll be back and do it all again next week. Thanks for listening.